When I was a kid, I grew up in the South and uh, in Alabama, and there was a horrible, horrible, horrible smell that we dealt with all the time. It was a chicken farm. And uh, we, it was not like a chicken farm like a lot of you guys are thinking right, <coughs> right now. This was, um, there was two giant <coughs> chicken houses with chicken cages that went all the way up and conveyor belts. And the conveyor belts, the, the eggs would come down and they would harvest the eggs and uh, they would sell them. And it was a company that my grandparents owned and that's how they made their living. And uh, it, was, it was horrible. I, I could get in and tell you guys stories, but I'm not going to tell you all the stories of stuff that chickens... Anyways, it was disgusting. But there was something that when the wind was blowing, there was a worse stench than the chicken house. It was the pigs that were on the other side of the hill. And have any of you guys ever been around a pig pen before? I mean, a real pig pen, all right? I'm not talking about your kid's bedroom. I'm talking about <laughs> the, the ones that ran on all fours. And, uh, and I am telling you, <clears throat> you get around that, you get a smell, a stench of it. <clears throat> it will change your perspective of bacon. I know bacon <clears throat> is the... You know, is the duct tape of the gods, but I'm telling you right now, uh, you, there, is, there is something about the smell of pigs that will just turn your stomach. And uh, here's, here's this guy that we've been studying, Luke chapter 15, and uh, let's get back into this story. It is uh, disturbing. Let's see what happened. And I don't, I don't want to go into every detail for the sake of time and, and kind of get you back where, but I, I can tell you, then the Bible says in verse 15 that he joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into that field to feed the swine. The, the phrasing there was <clears throat> that the swine were not, was not right there. He sent him out for obvious reasons to go to that place to feed the swine by himself. You go take care of them. And he would feign desire. To have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. Let me remind you that Jesus was telling the story but sometimes we get caught up in the story and we forget why. Jesus wasn't just bored. He wasn't just sitting off to the side saying, you know what? We've got five minutes. Let me tell you a story. Everything that Jesus did was on purpose. Every story that he told, every place that he went, every message that he gave, every parable, every illustration was on purpose. And Jesus told the story, and we got into it last week. Uh, this boy didn't just wake up one day and say, hey, I want to get out of here. Long before this, something started in his heart. He got distracted. He got discontent. He began to be disobedient. I, I guarantee you the dad saw it coming that day when the son said, give me my stuff. Heartbreak. But dad would probably say, I saw this coming. See, some of you are not in the pig pen right now. But I tell you, in your heart, you're headed in that direction. And that's where it starts. When you start getting bitter towards God and bitter towards church and bitter towards authority and bitter towards your parents and bitter towards the things that you know are right, you get blinded. And he could not see the blessing of his bed and the blessing of his dad and the blessing of his home. And you say, how do you get that? It starts in your heart. And from there, it was one decision at a time. Dad, give me my stuff. 
And then he says he took off to a far country. And then he spent his, his living and one, one decision. And then, and then it just say everything was gone. The Bible says, Dad, here I go. I'm going here. The direction, every step you take leads you further from where God intended for you to be. You know, people today, they'll be like, what does this matter? That means a lot when you look back and you're saying, how did I end up here? How did I get out of church? I was somebody that used to preach how the goodness of God. Now I can't find the goodness of God. Getting off track. It's one decision at a time. And let me tell you, it will change your perspective. I've had people say, Pastor Tony, I never would have thought, I never would have thought, man, it would never be me that did this and said this and went here. And people at work now have said, I was shocked when I found out that you were a Christian. You're thinking, man, I once was the one teaching and preaching and now my, my co-workers are shocked even here. That I love God. You see, until you get way over there, have you ever gone on a trip or gone on a walk or whatever and then you think, man, we haven't gone far. And then you turn around and you're like, Wow. How far did I go? Now I, I want you to see what God wants for us. You don't have to turn there, but see that the Lord, and the reason why I'm preaching this, and I want to remind you, because sometimes we get caught up in the stories, because let me tell you, the pig pen can be just a, a dad that's got a horrible attitude, or a mom that's got a horrible language, or, or a teenager that's developed rebellion, or a, a, a church person that's, totally gotten into the pig pen of their life where they've lost all joy of serving God or doing anything for Him. But I can tell you that in Psalm 23, the Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's a far cry from this guy saying, Man, this pig food sure does look good. You know what I mean? He's sitting there going, man, that looks good. And the Bible says, let me tell you about my God. He is my shepherd, and when you follow him, you will not be in want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. The Bible says that he, he began to be in want, and no man gave unto him, not when you follow God. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let me tell you, I, I've never met anybody that said, I've decided to follow God and I regret it every step. Let me ask you, is there anybody saved here this morning that would say that you've never regretted following God? Give, give me a shout out in some way. Never. I don't regret one day, one decision, the day that I got saved and the day that I surrendered and the day that God called me to preach. And I look back on my life and I can tell you with all honesty, I don't regret one second. But I can tell you, this guy in the pig pen looks back and says, man, I regret every step that I took. The difference. And the Bible says in, in just a couple of chapters later, in Psalms, he said, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Let me tell you guys, you say, why is it important that I'm here today? Because when we get together and we open this, it is God telling us what to do. You need to change your vocabulary in some areas. What church do you go to? Oh, that's the church that won't let you do this and this and this. And I'm thinking, it's, it's, it's not the church that should be telling us what to do. It's God that tells us what to do. Right. Hey, parents, you want to instruct your kids and say, I want them to stay on the right path? Give them something to follow. Not just, this is how I feel, but give them something to follow. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But then there's the other side of it. In Proverbs 14, 12, the Bible says, There is a wage that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof 
are the ways of death. You get off track and you're doing your own thing and you're saying, what's the big deal? It won't end well. But you know, here's, here's what all of us do. I don't see anything wrong with it. In my opinion, the way I feel or the way I look at it, da, 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 and we, we do that and we turn around and we, we, the only way you can do that is you got to do this. You've you got to shut out what God has said to plug your opinion in there. But let me just tell you, just for the record, not my opinion, but the end thereof of what you are doing is the ways of death. It will kill your marriage. It will destroy your relationship. It will ruin your family, I promise you. But then, verse 13, even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful. I looked that up, and you know what that meant? It said, even though we can sit there and laugh and try to look there, people are walking around with a heavy heart. You might be here today, and you're sitting there saying, man, all I need is Christ, and thank God for that song. But inward, you, you are miserable with a heavy heart. Sin doesn't satisfy anymore. It becomes bondage. And this is where we find this young man. I want you to look at verse 16 with me. Lowest point of this dude's life. The Bible says, And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. This statement, this statement goes a whole lot deeper because it's explaining the depravity of this guy as he sits there and he says, Man, I got myself to the point where I was starving. Now, now you've got to understand something. He had a job. The Bible explains that he connected himself to a man of that country and he gave him a job. He was given food, but I'm telling you, it was so low that he said, even what I am getting from the world, the pigs are getting better than me. Let me tell you guys this. You might not be there yet. But the devil has a plane to where you will be so miserable that even the pigs of this world are living better than you. It's amazing. When you think you can't go any lower that the devil has a whole other level of load to drag you to. There's no happiness. It's a lie. I mean, to look at this guy and think, and, and, and here's the thing, what the devil will tell you in that whole time, that guy's going and he said, man, I want a good time, and I want this in my life, and I want that. Let me tell every teenager here, sneaking behind your parents' back to do things that the world calls fun is not fun. There is always a price tag. It will always come back to get you. There is always a debt to pay at the end of it. It is not fun. Sitting there sleeping around and young people say, well, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do this. It's all fun until you find out you're pregnant and you have to tell your parents. So, man, don't get on that. Don't sit there and telling you, here's the thing. Premarital sex goes against God. Well, there you go on your opinion. No, that's what thus saith the Lord says. We get off and we live in one step at a time where I don't see anything wrong with that. And you're flirting with people online and you're talking to people on Facebook that you shouldn't. You are taking steps that you should not take. And we get off and we get into the pig pen and our young people are sitting there going, I went to church growing up, how would this take, why would God do this to me? And I'm crying out to God from the pig pen. I'm going to tell you, God didn't put you in the pit, you put yourself in the pit. We need to grow up and stop blaming God for the decisions that we make. He is my shepherd. He leads me in the path of righteousness. I get off. I get in the pit. That's the way it is. I said, man, I, I, I don't want to hear that. But here's the thing. If we'd listen to that more often, we'd follow the book, we won't be in the pig pen anymore. 
let me show you today how to get back on track. We're, we're gonna, we're, 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 we took the journey into a far off country. We are in the pit. It's time to go home. But a lot of people, we sit there and say, you need to come back to the Father. I'm going to show you literal steps that he took within his life to say this is how he restored his life. And let me tell you, the reason why God took this to a far extreme is because God wanted you to know you can never go too far and you could never stink so bad that God won't take you home. You just remember that. When you smell your sin, and I tell you, sin stinks, and, and, and the odor of it goes through your house and through your family and through your reputation, it stinks, you just keep this in the back of your mind as you're reading this story. Number one, here's the first step. Number one, he responded to conviction. He responded to conviction. He grew up in a house where he knew dad, he knew right, he knew wrong, he rebelled from that. He knew in his heart what he had, and his rebellion pushed him out. Verse 17, and when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? This is where it gets good. That phrase right there, when the Bible says that he came to himself, he woke up. God sit there in that spot right there, and I can tell you guys, times in my life where I've sat where you're sitting, and times in my life where God just went over there, and in my mess, and in my pity party, he's sitting down there, he, he, he's, he's talking to his friends, summer sausage and bacon bit, and he's sitting there having a conversation, and looking at this bucket of slime, and, and, and in there, he's crying in his woe of, man, my parents, and my dad, and if he didn't, and everything, and finally, eventually, and sitting in the pit, God came up and slapped him on the face and said, no, it's you. It's you. When he came to himself, when he woke up, when the blinders were pulled off and he said, this sin was not fun. It did not satisfy. It did not give me everything that I hoped. And you wake up. Let me tell you, a lot of Christians, when you're sitting in church, God will come to you and he'll wake you up. Man, I've been driving down the road before, listening to the radio, listening to preaching or praying or whatever. And God will sit there and God will just reach in that car and he'll shake you up. You know what that is called? That is not mom. That is not dad. That is God working through the Holy Spirit of God telling you, I'm after you. I love you. And you need to wake up. He came to himself. Here he is. And this is where the U-turn begins to happen. You know, here's the question. Do you respond when God is working in your life? When God comes over to the pig pen, and thank God God comes to where we're at. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He comes where we're at, and here he is in this pig pen. And he's down in that spot. And one day he just woke up, and, and here's the thing we got to understand. He got, he got sick of blaming everybody else. He got sick of making the excuses. He probably blamed his mom and dad, blamed the pigs, blamed the farmer, blamed them, everything. But did not get under conviction when God woke him up on that day, the Bible says that he came to himself. You know how many people come to themselves when it comes to the sin and they don't do anything about it? They get under conviction. You're sitting there saying, you know what? I do have a lust problem. You know what? I did do that and I have lied and I have been sneaking around and I do have that hid and I, I did do that. And you don't do anything about it. Here's the thing. Don't expect your smell to change until you're willing to get out of the pig pen. Nothing is going to change in your life until what God put in your heart. And you know what he said? He came to himself and he goes, wait a minute. It was better over there. 
It was better before I got into the pig pen. In his heart. Isn't it funny how last week when we were talking about this, how did it start? started in his heart. You know how where the getting back to God starts? It starts right back in your heart. When God begins to speak to you and love on you and convict you and open your eyes. Notice it started in his heart when he recognized this and he woke up. The next thing, he repented of his sin. Let me tell you, it's, it's sad how many people get messed up in their life and they never take this step. And they say, you know, I still feel guilty and I'm still burdened and I, I can't get over this and this. Notice what he did. He said, verse 18, I will arise. Now, I'm seeing, showing you guys this. A lot of times we have this idea that the prodigal son got his heart right when he ran to the father and he fell down and he said, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Yes, he restored, but listen, this is the key here. You've wronged people. You've wronged your spouse. You've wronged your family. You, you've lied to people at work. And I, w- I will go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Do you know what I love about this? Back way over here, he says, I will get up. I will tell him that I have sinned against God. I, Dad, I'm sorry. But before I get there, I need to acknowledge, God, I have sinned against you. See, see the thing is, it, it might not be your spouse that knows, and it might not be the people you work with or people that you sit in in church, but here's the thing. You hurt God more than you hurt anybody. The first thing he does is he sits there in his sin, and he says, God, I'm sorry. He said, I, I, I'm going to go and make amends. I will make restitution i will plead for his forgiveness but way back here is when that boy's u-turn started when he was in the mess when he was in the sin when he was in the problem he got his life right before he ever crawled out of the pig pen he began to do it because here's the thing god works on the inside sometimes we get out we're changing clothes we're getting the smell off and we come home to dad and it's like hey dad i'm home the thing is god knows our hearts Just because you look good and you've covered it up on the outside doesn't mean that you're right with God. Just because he got the smell off the outside doesn't mean you're right on the inside. See, he he started with his heart and God changed him at the end of the story on the outside. He had it all planned out. Here's why true repentance displays brokenness. There is a problem in our life when we're caught in our sin and all of a sudden, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, God, don't get on to me, Dad. Don't yell at me, Mom. Oh, you're getting, you're like, you're a little Miss Perfect. And we argue back. When you are repented of your sin, you know what you have in your life? You have brokenness. Worries me when some people sit there and they're, they're looking at God like a meal ticket. They're just sitting there, well, I'll get my heart right and maybe God will help me get that job. God's not there just to give you a hookup. Get, getting back in church isn't just to put your hand out and say, God, I'm here. Did you see that I'm here? God, I, I'm doing this and that. No, I'm telling you what. When you get your heart right and you realize your sin, there's brokenness that follows. He, he, you know what he said in that passage? He said, I'll just go home. I'll just be a servant. I'll serve my dad for the rest of my life. You know what that is? That's brokenness. That's humility. That's the attitude of, man, I do not deserve this, but I'm going to seek for restitution and ask for God to forgive me anyways. And then he said, I will rise and go to my father. True repentance is a change 
of direction. Repenting of our sin is turning from our sin. You know how many people get in that pig pen and they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again? You, you, know, what, you know what the definition of that is when you want change but you keep doing the same thing over and over again? It's called insanity. We, we go crazy sitting there going, why can't I change? And God says, why don't you get back in church? I had a headache again. Then God says, then sit in your pig pen. Oh, God, why can't I change? Then why didn't you turn off your computer screen? Oh, God, I, I, I'm still struggling. Repenting of our sin is when we change the direction. It's not just turning from the pig pen. It's turning back to God. You, you know what? A lot of people in America are stuck with this problem. We hate the problem that we have, but we refuse to run back to God. God will not play that game with us. The whole reason he did everything that he did was to restore a relationship with us. It wasn't just about pulling you out of the pig pen. It was about restoring our relationship back with him. And a lot of people, the only thing they want from God is, Lord, get me out of the pit. Rather than saying, Lord, restore me back to him. How did he get back on track? He woke up. He got the problem right in his heart. He changed his direction, running back to his father. In verse 20, it says, and he arose and came to his father. See, the thing is, it's, it's awesome. When God convicts us, God expects us to put actions to his commandments. The Bible says to be ye a doer of the word. The Bible says faith without works is dead. I could go on and on. And what Bible is saying, what, what's going on in his life right now? Is God's working in his life. God's drawing him back. God is the source of strength. God is the hope of everything that he needs. But the thing is, he stayed, if you stay in the same spot, you'll never get back to what God has. Over here was everything that he needed. Let's just put it in our terms right now. It's amazing how people, and this is what happens, and we're going we're gonna to pull this in because I really want to focus on the last point before we go home. One step at a time, and, and, and I'm talking about the prodigal son, but I'm talking to people here. Thank God you came to church. You know how many people are not in church right now? Do you know how many people used to be serving God and praising God and, 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 and doing, giving God their life? But it's, it's a slow, slippery slope that we get into. We start off in our life and it's, we lose our passion. Man, I used to be involved in everything and then I served God and I came and one day you slip out of the choir. And that's okay, it's not, it's not every ministry is for everybody, but the, I, I have to question the motive. And all of a sudden, you, you stop going to Sunday school. I don't need that anymore. And what happens, too, is you get critical in your heart. The only way that you can justify why you quit doing something is it's got to be somebody else's fault. Now, God says to study to show thyself. God says not for forsake. But if I'm going to skip that, I have to blame somebody else. Well, my wife didn't nag me to death. I'd go more often. You know what we're doing? We're blaming somebody else. And then all of a sudden, it's just a shift. All of a sudden, you were giving, and now you don't give anything to God anymore. Well, that church is just for money, and you know what? God's got enough money, and you know what? If God knew, if God wanted me to give to church, then he'd hook me up with more money. And, and all of a sudden, it goes from that where you, you attend less and less. Then you get to a place where you start getting critical about everything. I don't know why I should go there, a bunch of hypocrites. Last week, I walked in there, and somebody looked over at me like they are all better than me, and our perspective changes. Remember, it's not that that is better than that. that. That's what happens. 
We, we're looking at the pig pen with this mirage taped over it. Man, if I could just have this fun. By the time we get over here, we're at the bottom of our life and we're doing things and looking at things that we never thought we would do. Just like that prodigal looking at the pig slop and sitting there going, man, that sure does look good to eat. We have Christians that now way over here after they've gotten out of church and they've stepped out of ministry and they've stepped out of giving and they've stepped out of the things that we've been called to do and the passive righteousness for his namesake. I don't know what's wrong with that. That's never hurt anybody. All that was a bunch of rules that the church put on us. But man, I'm telling you now, and all of a sudden, eventually, you know what the world does? It just strips everything away from you. You begin to be in want. This is where it gets dangerous. Because in the pig pen, you begin to play those mind games. See, when he left a long time ago, it was in his mind and all the city and everything. It was the same thing as slapping your dad on the face and saying, I wish you were dead. That's going through his mind. You know what I realized? A lot of people never get up to run back to the fathers because they played it in their mind. I can't go back to church. Get it if, if you knew what I've done. Those people, I, I, I know it was shared on Facebook. Everybody knows that I had this problem. I've been off doing this and I'm going to walk through the door of the church and everybody's going to start pointing at me. And I've had people even say that. I walked through there and people started looking at me. I'm thinking they were looking at you. They don't, they don't even know. It's a whole battle going on in our minds. Because the last thing that the devil wants you to do when you come to yourself is going back to the Father. And then one day, one day, this happens. And one day he woke up and he said, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm going to go back and I'm going to throw myself to the Father. I have to tell you guys this last part. I have heard the story of the prodigal son my entire life. But I did not understand the full story ever in my life of what this was about. See, Jesus was talking to a bunch of Pharisees. They knew nothing about the grace of God. They knew nothing about the love of God. It was the law. You bring down the law. You, 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 you tell them how it is and that's just the way that it is. Then when I want to close with the response of the father. He starts on this long journey home. You can imagine as he's going home, he's retracing the steps thinking, oh wow, that's where I spent the last dime that I had. And that's where that girl said that she'd love me forever. That's where I got sick for the first time after eating that. Oh man, I remember that spot. That's when I got so weak I fell over. Begin to trace these steps as he's coming back to the Father. I didn't realize this. But the most powerful passage in the entire story is verse 20. The Bible says, but when he was yet a great way off, the Father saw him and he had compassion and he ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. See, I've heard this preached so much that the point of it was the fact that the father was so excited that his son was coming home that he couldn't stand it anymore and he had to run to his father. Can I tell you guys, that's not the reason for this. At the beginning of it, I told you guys about the major disgrace that the, he did to the father. Let me tell you, they were a city, a community. They all believed that they followed the laws. They were Jews. They studied. They knew it inside and out. If you were to look up Deuteronomy 21, verse 21, you know what you're going to find? The passage where if your son disobeys you, or your child disobeys you, the dad does not just go out and stone the child. The community goes out and stones the child. That son 
in that public disgrace of picking up his said stuff and saying, Dad, I wish you were dead and I'm going to head off to a far off country. When he walked out, he disgraced all of them. See, here's all these dads watching that son go and he's protecting his son off to the side in their culture. Being held with respect and honor was everything. That's why they stuck to the law. That's why the Pharisees put themselves so far above everybody else. Man, we stuck to the law and you guys are way away from God because we follow it to this degree. We would never lower ourselves to go against God in that way. Never. The dad saw that boy going off and he walks in there and shuts the door and says, Son, let me tell you, if that was your... I tell you what, dad would not, I I put my foot down, that would be the last day that you'd ever, you guys have been there, you know what I'm talking about. Not in my house, you will not do that. That son and that dad should have slapped him. That dad, we should have had a stoning the day. I can't believe that happened. You know why? I'm not going to let that kid justify what I'm going to do. See, it it didn't just go against dad, it it went against their culture, It it went against all of them. The son knew it. Dad sitting in his house. Son coming up. See, the dad knew what was going to happen to that son if he went in. See, in that culture, if you walk back into town and you had that reputation and you knew that, just like him going out, all those stones and things, that boy was going to have to walk right through the middle of the city to walk back to his dad. See, the dad knew this in the entire time, and that's why the dad was watching afar off. He knew this. If my son comes home... I have to get to him before they get to him. I have to go to my son before he gets what's coming to him. Because although the compassion of a dad runs deep, the law of the people is different. And here he is, that day came. And the Bible says that that man saw his son afar off. He was looking for his son. And see, men in that culture, they did not run. Thieves would run. Children would run. Men did not run, especially somebody of his, and his level within the society. And the Bible explains that he ran to his son. That's not something we do. He picked up, and one day he saw it because as the son was coming in to the city. And you can imagine all the people going, I can't believe. Hey, guys, guess who's back? They would begin to spit on that kid and they begin to call him and say, don't you remember? You are dead to us. You are dead to your father. Sons, get back in the room. I don't want you seeing this. You don't belong here. Get out of here. Being disgraced, rejected, unwanted. Then you see the father. Who is telling this story? Guys, let me ask you, who is telling the story? It was Jesus. And Jesus, you can imagine, welling up with tears in his eyes and sitting there and saying, that dad ran, ran like a madman, not caring, pushing everybody all the way, saying, I don't care what you think. I don't care if you don't like me. I don't care what you have, your opinion of me. I don't care if you think that I'm higher than this or I should not lower myself. And the dad fell, literally threw himself on that son. You read that and it says he was great far off and his father had compassion and ran and fell on his neck Do you realize what was going on? Do you realize what was going on? The father was throwing his righteousness on his unrighteousness. And as they begin to spit on the boy, they had to spit on dad. As they begin to call out and say, we don't want you, they had to say it to dad. And all the smell the dad was covering up and everything, that's why the Bible says that he fell on him. To cover him. To say, and the next verse goes on and it begins to say this. 
And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, listen to this, am no more worthy to be called thy son. The son, the entire, go back to the verse before, fell on him and kissed him. That word kiss, when I look it up, was perpetual action. Dad, the whole time the boy is saying, I don't deserve to be your son. The father was kissing his face. The whole time that he was saying, I don't deserve to be here. I am unworthy to even be in your presence. Dad was saying, you are my boy. While the righteousness of the father covered the sin of the son. I didn't even realize that that whole time, Jesus was telling the story of the prodigal son. And God was talking about he took the wrath from us that was to come. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He took our shame. Can you imagine as he stands up and they're all there. And, and if, if the master took off running, the children, or, or not the children, but the, the servants of the, that, that master would run after him. Because the Bible says when he was way off and he ran to him, he was trying to get to him before he came into the city. He fell on him when he stood up and everybody was in shock at what's going on. Here's the thing that gets it. God does not just give us mercy. Because mercy would have been standing up and saying, guys, he's going to come back to me and he's going to be my servant. But God turns it back to you and says, no. Get him his ring. Give him his robe. Put the sandals on his feet. You say, why sandals on his feet? You know what God was saying? The only people that wore sandals were servants. He was a child of the king. The robe represented the authority that he had. The ring represented the signet that he would, the authority that he put in the wax seal to say that, that this represents something, somebody's opinion that matters. You know what God did to him? God took that kid that ruined everything and God restored him back to who he was. You guys want to explain that to me? I can't. I don't, I, I don't get it. Let me tell you, not only do I not get it and I live in the day of grace and I study the Bible and I know all this. They were doing CPR on those Pharisees. <laughs> Just, you did, you did what? You, you made him a son? You forgave him because where sin did once abound, grace did much more abound. You want to tell me you can't come back to God? See, Jesus was the coolest storyteller that ever lived. He laid that out just for us to know the restoration of our God. And the love of the Father. And the Father that runs to us and all that He does. Because the thing is, God wants you to come home. And it might be straight from a church pew. But I tell you, when you run to the Father... The thing is, God begins to change us. And I guarantee you, his attitude was different and his perspective was different. And I guarantee he walked in that room. Thank you, God, for this little bed. Thank you for the food. God, thank you for this place. Thank you for what you've given us. When you get back to God, God changes your perspective back from what it was. You know what the thing is? We just have gotten off track. Let, let me tell all the people that I love here something from the bottom of my heart. There's something that happened at the beginning of this story that was setting the stage for everything. We, we sometimes become so critical that we don't realize where people have come from. And we don't fully understand the journey that they're taking. And we don't understand how fearful they are to even come back in the presence of God. 
And the thing is, we've got to learn to be more like that father than we are like that older brother or those Pharisees. See, Jesus was teaching this story because he was talking to the Pharisees and he was saying, guys, do you realize that your attitude towards these people that I'm trying to woo back to me stinks? Your attitude stinks. You guys are like the pig pen that I'm talking about. God was being tactful but direct to those Pharisees. Guys, for me as a pastor and for us trying to reach people, there's a whole lot of people in this world in that pig pen. But we've got to learn to run to them. Rather than being like the pity people of that city going, what are you doing here? You don't look like us. You don't dress like us. You don't act like us. What are you doing here? Because God wants them here. The Bible says in Luke chapter 15, verse 10, before he ever got into this story, he lays this out. He says, likewise, I say unto you, there's joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. God says, it might be the deadest service. And that sinner from the back corner that's thrown their life and has needle marks up here and don't even know where they were last week and have no memory and they've lost everything they had and every job that they've had said never come back. They walk that aisle and they're just thinking, I, I don't deserve this. I'm unworthy. I'll never be as good of all you, as good all of you people here. And you bow down and you're praying, you're asking God. And it might be all silent in whatever church you're in, but I tell you, heaven is going nuts. Jesus is going nuts. The crazy, praising God and shouting and praising him over you. You know why? Because God was just laying this out saying, you matter to God. 